0: Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we do thank you that you are um, our Savior and indeed you do pilot us and um, as true God in human flesh, you say to the seas, be quiet, be still, and the wind and the waves, they obey you. And Lord, we know that in this life we we do experience difficulties, there are storms, there are hardships, there are temptations, there are many things that that come into our lives. And Lord, we pray that you would give us peace and that indeed you would pilot us through the difficulties of this life. So open our eyes today, open our hearts today, Um, open your word to us today that it would enter in and bring transformation to us. Help me, Heavenly Father, to proclaim your word clearly, so that we can hear, so that we can absorb, and so that we can be liberated by the power of the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today we go to Mark chapter 4, the end of Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And here we read the account of Jesus calming the storm. Mark chapter four, beginning with the 35th verse. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with them, they took him uh, with them in, in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat So that the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What an incredible account of Jesus' life. So I ask this question today. Have you been through a a terrifying experience in your life? Have you you been in, in, in a situation in which you know that you easily could lose your life? There's a man, 29 years old, Harrison Okney. Uh, he is a Nigerian cook, and he was on board a very large Chevron oil tugboat. And on the morning of May 26, 2013, in a storm, the tugboat that he was on suddenly capsized, leaving 29-year-old Harrison trapped 100 feet underwater inside the boat. For three days, Harrison survived 100 feet underwater with this pocket of air that surrounded him. So for three days, there he was 100 feet underwater, trapped. What did Harrison do during those three days, trapped in this boat during those days he cried out to his savior jesus christ he cried out to the lord that morning as the the storm awoke him very early in the morning he began his day by praying a psalm he prayed psalm 54 O God, save me by your name, and vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer, give ear to the words of my mouth, for strangers have risen against me, ruthless men seek my life, they do not set God before themselves. Behold, God is my help, the Lord is the upholder of my life, he will return the evil to my enemies, in your faithfulness put an end to them. With a free will offering I will sacrifice to you, I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good, for he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. Well, a dive team, rescue divers, were sent to that boat. They assumed that the dive would be a recovery mission to give peace uh, to the loved ones uh, who had lost family members in that accident. But as a scuba diver was going through the ship searching methodically through the ship deck by deck uh, with an earpiece and then a microphone uh, talking to uh, the the, the controller up on uh, the main boat which was uh, controlling the whole operation for the rescue dive. All of a sudden this diver was startled because he grabbed a hand and the hand was alive it was Harrison's hand, and he was alive. And this diver, uh, you could hear it uh, on the YouTube video that he literally yelled out because he wasn't expecting to find a live person in this tugboat. And it shows there's some, some sort of camera was attached to his mask, and uh, it shows him coming up, and there, he, there Harrison is, um, alive and well. So they were able to get scuba equipment on him, They were able to pull him out of the boat, pull him to safety. And for three days, three days, he spent time in a decompression chamber. And then after those three days, he was reunited with his family in Nigeria. Nigeria. You can actually watch this entire rescue on YouTube if you want to check it out. It's interesting. But the disciples, the disciples found themselves in a very frightening situation. I can't imagine being at sea and knowing that that the boat or the ship in which you have entrusted your life could capsize or sink or be overcome by waves at any moment. I can't imagine what that would feel like. Um, I would start to freak out, and I think the disciples were freaking out. And they actually rebuked the Lord because Jesus was sleeping on a cushion in the stern of the boat. So they say to Jesus, Jesus, why are you sleeping Don't you care? Don't you care if we die? Their stress level is to the maximum. Their stress level is at 100%. But this is life, right? This is life. We don't live with a whole lot of certainty regarding our physical security and safety. Sure, we do everything we can. We do everything that we can in order to assure our safety. Uh, we, we buckle our seat belts. We make sure that our children are in car seats. We, we hire professionals to make sure that we are protected. We, we take every precaution. But even with that, our safety isn't a guarantee. Our safety is not a guarantee. When they built the Titanic, they use, utilized some very impressive safety designs. They, they took precautions. They had great confidence in the safety of the Titanic itself, so much so that they did not, they did not put enough lifeboats on that ship to provide um, an escape for everybody who was on the ship. We know the story. The Titanic did sink and it was a heartbreaking tragedy. Life is uncertain. No one knows. No one knows the day or the hour of one's departure from this life into the next. No one knows. Therefore we must all be ready. We need to be ready. We must be ready. Time is short. We're on a sinking ship. In a way, planet Earth is a sinking ship. And individually, we're all on a sinking ship. It's interesting, everyone has a view of the end times, right? Everyone has a view of how things are going to come apart in the end. Climate change is a favorite end times view a tragic ending to planet Earth through irresponsible use of fossil fuels. Even atheists foresee a bleak future for planet Earth. They say in about 7.6 billion years from now the Sun will reach its maximum size as a red giant. Its surface will extend beyond Earth's orbit by about 20% and will shine 3,000 times brighter. And then in its final stage, the sun will collapse into a white dwarf. So even atheists say, yeah, this this planet's going away. As the sun expands, soon we will be burned up. So no one really foresees a bright future for planet Earth, unless you're a Christian. Maybe not for planet Earth, but for us. Maybe some are placing humanity's hope in the president's space force. Have you heard of this? A space force. Maybe some are hoping that it will provide a way of escape from planet Earth before the sun envelops the Earth. So I guess we could say that we're all on a sinking ship. And this sinking ship is a dying planet called Earth. So we might ask Jesus the same question Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? On this planet, we're we're perishing. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you see us down here suffering? Jesus, what are you doing? What is going on? Does he care about the personal storms? Does he care about the personal storms that you are facing in your life right now? Does he care? Does he care about you? It's hard to see the tragic accidents of people. A Teenage boy hung himself in the woods because he had homosexual desires. After we found the body, I went to the mother, I put my hand on her shoulder, what could I say? What could I say? All I could do was pray. All I could do was offer her the hope of the Savior. Last summer, while I was on vacation, I got a call from our fire chief, Al Obringer. A tractor had rolled on top of a man who was moving something on his property. No hope. Who was the one to discover the horrific scene? Who was there? Teenage girl. I was called to come and sit with her. What could I say? What could I say? All I could do was pray and offer the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Why do I tell these stories? To drive home a couple of points. First of all, the disciples were in a life-threatening situation on that boat some 2,000 years ago. This was serious stuff, no joke. I think that passages from the Bible like this have been softened in our minds and we we miss the raw terror of what was really happening to these men on the Sea of Galilee that night. This isn't just a made-up story, this is something that actually happened. Men were on the brink of death, but Jesus was there. Jesus was with them. And I would also remind you of the frailty of life you don't know. None of us knows. Only God knows. Our entrance into life everlasting could come at any moment. Only God knows. Only he knows. And to make matters worse, so often it seems as if Jesus doesn't care. It seems as if Jesus is sleeping, right? Are you awake, God? Do you really care? Have you been in that place before? Have you had that experience in your life? Are you awake, God? Are you, are you really aware of what's going on here? Maybe today you're in that place. Wondering, questioning, not knowing. There's good news today. This is the only hope I have to offer people. This is it. I have nothing else. Jesus is there. He is there. In the same way he was with the disciples in the boat, he is with you today. The Bible says that he will never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. He's there. You may not feel it. It may not be an existential experience of always feeling God's presence, but he is there whether you feel it or not. He is there. Jesus did wake up, and Jesus did still the storm on that night. Jesus did bring great calm to a terrifying and deadly situation. Our lesson today says that he got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm, or it was a great calm. A great calm. And that term, great calm, is the better translation. It actually says that it was a, a megalay calm. Megalay, that's where we get the word mega from. We could say it was mega calm. Great calm, a great calm came. And I have to say this first before we go on. I have to say this, that your great calm hasn't come yet. Your mega calm hasn't come yet. Your great calm is coming. On the day of Jesus' return, he will bring great calm to your life. You will bring this mega calm to your life. Our view of the end times as Christian is a view that is filled with great and wonderful promise and the promise is this, the promise of the complete destruction of evil and suffering, the promise of eternal joy, the promise of being with Jesus in his presence for eternity, the promise of great calm for eternity. This is what we look forward to As believers in Jesus Christ is that day of great calm. I'm not going to be one of those preachers that stands and tells you that if you you have enough faith and if you never doubt Jesus, then nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. That you're never going to experience a storm in your life. That is not true. Storms will continue to come. Difficulties, hardships, terrifying experiences, death. You name it, it's going to assail us in this life even though we are Christians. Simply being a Christian does not make you immune from from the difficulties and the hardships and the terror of life. Your great calm hasn't come yet, but today you can have peace. You can have peace in the midst of the storms of life. You can have peace because Jesus is with you. You can have peace even with the knowledge that everything terrible can happen to you at any moment unexpectedly. You can have peace knowing that you will face storms or knowing that you are going through a storm. Jesus never promised us a bed of roses, an easy life. But he did say this, I will be with you. I will be with you. The miracle of being in Christ is not that we escape every hardship that comes our way. The miracle of being in Christ is that we can weather the storms of life and death itself with a great sense of peace. Your great calm hasn't come yet. That great calm is yet to come. But today, you can know the peace of Christ you can know his presence now it's interesting i i buried children and then i hear the testimony of the parents testimony of god's faithfulness testimony of god's goodness the testimony of peace you would think that after losing a child faith would be lost too i can't imagine i can't imagine but during the darkest storms the most amazing testimonies of god's faithfulness are spoken and this isn't counterfeit pietism this isn't just made up so that they'll look good in front of the church this is real stuff real suffering And a very real experience of God's peace and of God's faithfulness and of God's presence in the midst of life's darkest storms. So yes, we suffer. And yes, we're still awaiting that great calm. But today a very real sense of Jesus through all of life's dark moments is being experienced by Christians everywhere. They know that Jesus is there. They know that Jesus is in the boat with them. They experience his peace. So why are you afraid today? Why are you afraid today? If I went out on a boat today and the boat sunk and I drowned, it would be a great tragedy but where would I be? Who would hold my hand through that experience? Who would never leave me through that? I'd be with Jesus. Who would take care of my wife and kids? Not only would Jesus be with me, but Jesus would be with my family. Did I give you a sense of peace? So why are you afraid? Oftentimes I'm afraid because I do not fear the Lord. I'm afraid because I do not fear the Lord. I believe that to fear the Lord is to be free from all other fear. To fear the Lord means that you understand who God is. You understand his might, his power, his authority. You understand the fact that he really can calm the storm at any moment. To fear the Lord is to know that God is your father. Do you know that? God is your father. He's a loving father. To fear the Lord is to know who you are as a frail human being. Fear the Lord is to have faith, to have confidence in God. To fear the Lord is to have a sense of the awesome power and authority of God. And this is the God who we fear. He is the God who loves us. So for us who are saved, it's not a fear that says, I'm afraid of his punishment. For us who know Jesus, it's a fear in the sense of of great reverence and awe before this great God who became a human being in the person of Jesus Christ for our salvation. We don't fear his judgment. If anything, we fear that we would fail to honor him as our father. So to fear the Lord is to know who God is. To fear the Lord is to know his might and his power and his authority. That's what it means to fear the Lord. And this is the fear that came over the disciples. Do you notice that that after Jesus did this, it says that they were were greatly afraid, or they were, again, that's the same Greek word, megaloi. They uh, They had this great fear, overcame them. Who is Jesus? Who is he? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this Jesus? Is he a man? Yes. He was asleep on a cushion. Is he God? Yes. He stilled the storm. 100% man, 100% God. This is your Savior, the one true God who entered our world in the frailty of human flesh to be your Savior. He is your Savior today. And today he promises peace. Only he can bring peace. Only he can bring peace, no matter what you face in this life. Today he he promises a mega calm on the day of his return. This is what we look forward to. This is what theologians will call our our eschatological hope, that hope which is yet to come. We don't put our trust in this world. We put our trust in Jesus, who has promised to make all things new. Today we go through storms, but the storms don't have the final say. Jesus has, and Jesus will have the final say when he comes again to judge the living and the dead. That's when our mega calm comes. But will he be there for me today? Will he be there for me? I'm a sinner. I failed him. I've broken his commandments. Is Jesus there for sinners? Is he there for frail? Frail people like me? He is. Because not only has he promised to bring calm, but he has promised to wipe away your sin. He's promised to take all of your sin away and to replace your sin with his righteousness. So when he sees you, he doesn't see a sinner, but he sees the the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You're his child. You belong to him. So often we're weighed down by the frailty of our sin nature. We're so prone to doubt God. We doubt him. I do it all the time. God, why can't I trust you? God, why can't I believe in you? God, why don't I have great confidence in you? Why do I struggle with fear? Why do I struggle with anxiety? Why can't I trust you? Are there doubters here today in the house of God? Let's be honest with ourselves. Are there doubters here today? If you doubt, I have one thing to say to you. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. If you lose sight of Jesus in the midst of storm and fear, welcome to the club. You're no different than the disciples tossed about in a deadly storm, right? Those disciples in that boat that night were ordinary people, just like you and I. And the dialogue between the disciples and Jesus, Lord, don't you care if we're drowning? Is the dialogue that has been exchanged between fallen humanity and God since the fall. Just read your Bible. Read the Psalms. Read the prayers of God's people. Read the doubts that they express to God. Read Job. The book of Job. Read the Prophets dialogue of sinful humanity and God has always been a dialogue which expresses doubt questioning not understanding and God is always there he is always there to live in relationship with God is to struggle with God's ways you're never going to understand everything You're never going to understand everything. You're never going to be able to give an explanation that this is why this happened and this is why that happened. This is why the tractor rolled over. This is why your son ended up in that situation. we, We can't do that. We simply trust. We simply stand on the promises of God. We can know this for sure. We can be guaranteed of this. God took on flesh. In the person of Jesus Christ, and Jesus suffered upon the cross to save us, his blood was shed to wash away your sin, to replace your sin with his righteousness, to make you holy, to bring peace, to bring hope, to give us the promise of life everlasting. When you fear, when you doubt, Do exactly as the disciples did in our gospel lesson today. Cry out to Jesus. Cry out to him. When you face the difficulties of life, do as this Nigerian Harrison did while he sat for three days, 100 feet under the ocean. He said that as he sat there, he cried out to Jesus. He cried out to Jesus. Ask him, seek him, and may he reassure you of his promises today. He is there, he's still in the boat, he's in the boat with you, and his promises are true. Amen. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for the truth of your word today and the reality of your presence in our lives. And I do pray, Heavenly Father, for each of those who are here today. Lord, if any are going through hardship, and I know there are, there are many gathered here today. You know each and every one of them. And I pray now that in the, the, the quiet of this time, that each would be given opportunity to cry out to you. that each would be given a desire to reach out to you knowing that you're already there, knowing that you've already grabbed a hold of them. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would give your peace and give the assurance of your promises to those who are facing difficulties in life. You're a good God. We love you. We love you, Jesus. We love you because you first loved us, because you gave your life upon the cross for us, because you promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Lo, you are with us to the very end of the age. We thank you, Lord. And all of God's children say, Amen. amen, amen.